afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting today from MarkTech and Agritourism. It's an adventure travel workshop taking place in Kearney, Nebraska, talking, of course, about agriculture and all the great things that are happening with entrepreneurs. And we're going to take a look at uh, some interesting things in this marketplace today. And, you know, I'm actually kind of excited to be able to talk about the word planting we're going to talk more about that. And we're not talking about planting in Argentina or, or in uh, Brazil, by the way. We'll talk more into that. Of course, we do know that there is still concerns with the crop in Argentina. Now, what about these grain markets? We saw a bit of a rally come back on the soybeans, but corn and wheat continue to be on that struggle bus. If you look over at the flip side on the, on the grain, or on the livestock, excuse me, it looks like the cattle are just on their own struggle trade. And so are the hogs with a lot of negativity going on in the market. We're going to get all the details about what's happening today with Darren Fry. Of course, Darren is with Water Street Advisors. And let's kind of start out the fact that we did see a bit of a turnaround for this soybean market today. And unfortunately, nothing in corn and wheat, but a nice, nice positivity on these beans, Darren. Yeah, we sure did. You know, Tuesday was a big down day and that was the fifth day of down, but a large day down on Tuesday. And what we've done now is we rebounded off those lows that marked the low on Tuesday uh, I don't think this is something that's going to lead to new highs or anything like that. We do have resistance in the May contract in that 15-18 area, and I think we could push a little higher in tonight's trade into tomorrow. And then after that point, I would look for that area to prove to be resistant and probably provide a reversal in the market. Uh, unlike soybeans, corn was up early, gave it all back, closed lower, obviously wheat, uh, there's concern over Putin, the corridor, how short the funds are, and all of the, the rigmarole around Argentina, their weather, their short wheat crop, and they're not going to hit their export numbers. Does that mean more business for us? There's a lot of reason to think that we can rally, but it couldn't today either. So only the beans perform today. Well, is there a bit of a, you were talking about this before we started, is there a bit of a dead cat bounce going on for this wheat market? Well, you know, you have to call it that because if you look at wheat like the May wheat or the July wheat, you know, we've had 10, 12 days down and now we rally, you know, 15, 20 cents off the bottom. That would be what would be termed as a dead cat bounce. And I really think the same for the corn market. You know, it really got pummeled here the last five, six, seven days and we bounced 15, 20 cents. But that's not much when you're you, when you've lost 70. What are you looking at uh, weather-wise? We were talking about this a little bit yesterday. Um, from a from a wheat perspective, I know the southern areas have started to get some moisture. Uh, many folks hoping that this could be the saving grace for this winter wheat crop. Well, the winter wheat crop is uh, good out east. Obviously, conditions are very good in the soft red. It's the Kansas City, the hard red winter that's so bad. And most of the states are worse than last year. Some are better, but conditions are still very poor. There's going to be a lot of abandonment in places in the far west, southwest part of the Grain Belt. And so I do think that's problematic. But, you know, until Russia uh, does something different here, they continue to flood the market. Australia's got a good crop. We're just not seeing that area of our wheat crop be enough to sustain any type of a rally. And the funds are really short, and that's the fear of being short is, boy, if they come out of this, we're going to have a dollar rally. But maybe they don't come out of it. Maybe there's not a catalyst to bring them out of it. And our weather in the plains isn't enough, in my opinion. 
And then um, maybe that's going to be my next question is what it was going to take to to get some excitement around it. So if this wheat crop doesn't come back, though, I was hearing talk, then this might be an interesting component for corn or soybeans as a replacement crop goes in. Well, it will help. Um, it will help, you know, obviously, if we don't have the wheat, uh, you're going to have a smaller crop out there and you're going to have uh, additional feeding of corn because we do feed a lot of wheat um, year in, year out. And the corn will be supported by higher wheat prices. But to get the wheat going, I think we're going to have to see in this middle of March time frame, the corridor just not move forward. If that happens, you will have a big rally in wheat and that will be supported to corn. Darren, how do you see this strong dollar factoring in our grain complex? Well, I consider like the headwinds of this inflationary concern. We saw, you know, some more reports out this morning that says the economy is much stronger. Feds are going to keep coming. That's why the dollar's up. And those are just like bearish headwinds. You know, it, it's no different. You go out and ride your bicycle, got a 20-mile-an-hour tailwind. It's so easy to pedal. It's so easy to go down the road. You turn around, come back home in a 20-mile-an-hour headwind. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my golly, I should have like, taken the headwind first and caught the tailwind on the way home. But it's one of those things where it just provides a bearishness to the overall commodity, overall stock market. That does not mean some things can't go up. We could see a commodity like cocoa or sugar that has better fundamentals around it or a corn or soybean meal that has better fundamentals around it that could move higher in that environment. But overall, a stronger dollar means less for commodity markets. The softness we've seen in exports, I mean, obviously kind of typical this time of year as we start to see those new crops come on board from South America. But it just seems that it's been on a lot quieter side as of late. Well, this is actually, you know, when we do convert over our soybeans to Brazil, but the corn exports, I think, are what's most disappointing. We're running way behind on sales. We're also running behind on inspections. We inspected basically uh, half of what we need to on this last Monday's report, which was as of February 23rd. We need to be doing 46 million a week each Monday to hit the USDA target. I think we're probably 25 to 50 on the light side too high on USDA numbers, maybe as much as 100 if we don't see these numbers start to produce more each week on inspections and on sales. So that has to be watched. And of course, wheat is below what it needs to be as well. All right. Well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to take a look at what's been going on in South America, what Darren's been hearing when it comes to that crop, especially with the hope for rains in Argentina. Of course, our thoughts, we all know what it's like here in the Midwest with lack of rain. So we know what many of those growers are going through. We've got a lot more coming up. Stick around. It is the Thursday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we're here to help you stay one step ahead during the coming growing season. With reliable local expertise. Fontenelle offers personal service and expert advice that comes from knowing local conditions. Agronomic support. We give you the agronomic tools to help you make informed decisions every step of the way. And if you're still making seed decisions, your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer has a good supply of locally proven varieties. Fontenelle, solutions you need, relationships you trust. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label direction. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon, of course, we are in Kearney for agritourism, but we're being joined by Darren Fry. Darren, of course, with Water Street Advisors. And we left off kind of talking about what was happening in the market perspective here in the States. And I wanted to quickly jump to Brazil and Argentina. Um, You had talked before we even started the program how it seems like every day we're getting more worried about this crop getting smaller in Argentina because of lack of rain. Yeah, the crop is getting smaller, but um, I would say that I was a little bit larger than what I heard last night. I called one of my good friends down there and visited, and he's really good at understanding what's going on in Argentina. He's in Rosario, and basically he's at 30-31 on beans and 40-41 on corn, and I was a little higher than that, about 3 million metric tons on each. And, and so he said, hey, if we get this rain they're talking about, even though the temperatures are hot, maybe we can maintain that. But he said, if we miss any of these rains with these hot temperatures, we're going to be talking 28, 29 on beans and 38, 39 on corn. So not there yet, but uh, we need to get rain. We're enduring the hottest, driest period we've ever seen. And it's really taken a toll on both the bean and the corn crop. And then we talked a little bit. There was a little bit more frost damage, even though the temperatures weren't as cold as what we thought up here. There was damage that occurred. Nobody really knows how much that's going to affect things, but it certainly didn't help the bean crop or the corn crop that got hit. So that's kind of where we are. And the market is trying to put in some premium for that. And that's what we saw, I think, in meal and beans today. You brought up a good point, too, as we were talking. And I think it is easy to shoebox everything and think, okay, Brazil's getting rain. That's going to be uh, bad news for their crop. But Brazil is a huge country, and it's sometimes easy to forget. And that was like them looking at us talking rain. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, you, you asked me the question, is it too wet in Brazil? And I said, well, some people say it is and other people say it's ideal. And, and that's because, you know, Mato Grosso is the size of Texas. So you got this country that one state is the size of Texas, like here. And we know that it can be flooding in eastern Iowa and be problematic, but Peoria is 95 miles away. And we could have ideal conditions here. So we just have to remember that because it's raining in certain parts of Brazil, not everywhere is too wet, but certainly there's areas that are getting too much moisture. And that will slow up harvest and slow up the planting of the safrina crop. But still overall, I think we're going to have a big opportunity there to get 125, 130 million metric ton corn crops. So I can't be real bullish corn or beans based on Brazilian crops. It is Argentinian crops that support the market right now. I was on social media earlier today, kind of going through the Twitter feed, and nothing made me smile bigger than seeing southern Texas crops going in the ground and the excitement that these folks have, because then we know officially planting is underway, and it won't be long, and it'll be up here. But many talking about the amount of snowpack we have to the north, and if that's going to cause for some planting delays throughout the Midwest. Yeah, I would imagine it would. You know, we've had some good moisture up in the north, and when that melts, it always is somewhat problematic for an early spring. And then I think we just have a real active jet stream starting here as we fade from La Nina, come into a neutral Enso or even a weak El Nino as we move into that, maybe May, June, July. That's going to increase our jet stream activity, which just brings more moisture. And so some of my guys that I work with on weather are talking about the eastern corn belt, anything east of the Iowa-Illinois line or the Mississippi River, let's say, going to have more problems getting their crop in the ground due to weather windows not being very big. In other words, a lot of rain and short amount of dry periods could delay that crop in the east a little bit. So we got to watch for that. But 
typically a wetter pattern El Nino brings big yields, big crops, even though we do have some problems getting it in. So switching gears over to the livestock side, how patient can can cattle guys be as they wait on this cash? You know, I think the cattle market, I've had to redo my charts and redo the counts because I've been looking for a seasonal top. I still think that's coming, but I do think maybe it's going to be delayed a couple months here. I do think we're going to start a move lower right now, maybe three, four bucks, but then I'm looking for new highs and then one more pullback and maybe new highs into the May-June time frame. That's typically not what happens, but with the shortness of the numbers and the fact that we're seeing very strong supported product, I do think that that's possible. So I think guys can be a little patient here for now, but I do think a seasonal top is coming because the move up is very mature, and I do think we're close to the top. We just haven't seen it yet. And for the most part, feeder cattle have enjoyed the lower grain prices we've seen this last couple of weeks. Oh, absolutely. You know, feeder cattle prices are crazy right now. And you and I have talked about that in the cash market. But, you know, if cattle stay strong and corn breaks, I mean, feeder cattle just shoot through the rough. And so I am bullish feeder cattle wanting to buy any three-way breaks there. But I think we haven't seen the highs in fats or feeders. But I think feeders could really get good considering the break I'm expecting in corn. All right, Darren, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? They can call us toll-free at 866-249-2528 or look me up on Twitter at Fry underscore WSS. Well, that is today's Fontenelle final bell. As we remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle final bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.